Everybody and welcome to episode 343 of the Saturn Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my festive co-hosts, Peter and Jake. That's right, Kurt. This is the clinical study edition of the cast. Um, we're actually following up from last week. Now, you may notice that my face is a little bit different. Had some work done, you know, so a little thing happened. So... What happened was uh, I got back from Thanksgiving. I felt a temptation. I ate half a Popeye's biscuit, and this is what happened. We told you not it's, to be. It's a- currently the whole the, the other half of the Popeye's biscuit is in here. It's just stuck in here, and I have had to been on an all liquid diet just to keep myself from turning into like a dried skeleton husk. You know, we had warned you ahead of time that Popeye's biscuits were not approved by the FDA, and they were still running clinical trials. Um, and It was a risk. It was, yeah. Uh, this is something that happens to, I think, about 40 to 50% of people who have the Popeye's biscuits. It's um, just mm-hmm. a, a moisture reaction to the dry microporous structure of their genetically modified biscuits. It actually has negative moisture. They <laughs> there's there's a rare bacteria that's only found in the specific quarry from which they mine Popeye's biscuits. Mm-hmm. It's like the thing. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of the things that people aren't talking about is that Popeye's biscuits are actually non-renewable. So there is a day that will run out, just like helium. And I can't imagine all this pent-up Popeye's biscuits that we're releasing into the air and onto the ground mm. and in people's tummies is going to be I'm not good. worried about it because yeah. when I mean, that we're day... we're going to the moon in the next couple decades, when right? That, when fun. that day draws nearer, um, Popeye's is going to throw everything at uh, fusion of the necessary constituent elements to produce uh, biscuit material. <laughs> Much like scientists will work on uh, nuclear fusion to create helium from uh, hydrogen um, and power our world as well as ensure that we have helium, you know, Popeye's is going to put 10 times as much money into this problem. Among the rumor mill, I did hear um, that, you know, I think it was like some uh, famous baseball announcer who postulated that the moon may not be made out of what we think it's made out of. Um, and mm-hmm. I think one of his alternate theories, other than spare ribs, was um, Popeye's biscuits. So yeah. that could be... That's that's actually why the tides happen, uh-huh. is it's so dry out there that the way, the water just goes right to it. So that's interesting. So I, cause... I have to apologize to the audience. I made a foolish mistake. You know, you gotta read the directions... Follow the safety guidelines. Otherwise, you could end up like me. Yep, it's a very important Absolutely. lesson. And you could end up where we're where we're casting from live this week. <laughs> and I don't know where that is, but Jake might. I was gonna go more into the Harry Carey um, death conspiracy that you know he may have died of a heart attack, but like that's just what they all say when you know the gunshot. So how he died? Yeah, I just looked it up. <laughs> 
and I guess brain damage. But that's Kanye West knows the real <laughs> yeah, answer. I think he really knows what happened to Harry. I Harry. think the real answer is that Harry Carey was onto something about uh, the. I mean, moon. he was eighty fucking three years old. Yeah, I did. <laughs> he died because he was just <laughs> fucking old. I think he was onto something. He was like, the moon's not what we think it is. <laughs> what is it? I gotta know. Putin sent in a kill squad, take him out. He died in a gunfight. There were 30 casualties. Anyways, we'll see if we can find out some answers as we're coming at you live. You know, sometimes I like to say we're coming at you from where what movie we watch. Other times it's really obscure. And I'm going to go with obscure. So right now, we got a table set up and a little studio set off to the side on a film set. Well, it's filming a commercial, and this commercial we hear is pretty interesting. They've recasted Wilford Brimley <laughs> with Andy Reid uh, to do the new Diabetes. <laughs> Diabetes 2 came out, and uh, I think they're going to be promoting that uh, with Jake, Andy Reid. you have to say the title correctly. It's Diabetes. Diabetes, sorry. They've renamed it Diabetes, Diabetes 2. 2. <laughs> Not type two. Don't get that confused. It's the no, second one. No. <laughs> Wait till they come out with diabetes two type two. Mm, oh, ooh. oh, the the quadrilogy. It's gonna be like Half Life two episode two. <laughs> yeah, this is diabetes type one two. Uh, this is the this is the sad one that the kids get. <laughs> it's like Still you less know, confusing than Kingdom when, Hearts naming conventions. When you would get a uh, VHS of a long ass movie. It would come on two VHSs and mm-hmm. be one and two. It's, yeah. it's like that. You can That's only get this movie. You he can... got to the end of his life and they said, please insert diabetes too. Yeah. And he didn't have it because they hadn't come out with it, it yet. The patch so he out. just had to die. Yeah. That's true. The Grim Reaper had the out there. He's like, if you put it in this VCR, I'm gone. You'll never see me again. Yeah. I guess it finally came around to where uh, Andy Reid's um, body percentage was enough french fries and gravy to where he constituted himself as an equal to wilford brimley um that was actually on the uh application they had sent out so they were just waiting for a contender to fill the literal the literal massive shoes that wilford it's 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 a process you know he reached the state of equal (laughs) brimley nothing beats that diabetes foot it's my new favorite 90s movie, Equal Brimlium, where they're dancing with the swords, except they're all fucking 300 pounds. I feel, I would feel remiss if I didn't point out that Equilibrium came out in like 2005. <laughs> I'm, I'm on, I'm right on the money with my, with my dated references as usual. So, like, Andy Reid went to BYU. Do not Mormons go to BYU? Surely they must. Because they have a basketball team. You can't field a basketball team of Mormons. That's ridiculous. (laughs) Hold on. Let me see. It's not like Jamaicans, you know, where you can just snap your fingers, bring together a bobsled team. They go. But like Mormons, that's a tougher ordeal. Hey, John Candy worked very hard. Another (laughs) diabetes man, John Candy, worked very hard to... (laughs) To bring that into oh, Jake's, yeah. Jake's deep in the research right now. Yeah, you certainly can. 
Oh, Reed and his family are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. <laughs> I just, I don't even, this is the 2016-2017 season. Um, uh, look at this complexion, I mean composition of, of strapping young men. See, how can you, but how can you let them go out on the field without their fucking, uh, without the underwear, right? Um, it's on under there. It's not, not intrusive from what I hear. Um, I thought it went up to the collar, at least in like the the shoulders. Yeah. Maybe they got that athletic cut, you know. Well, I think around this time, I think the um, the the higher ups or the I mean the CEO, I mean the prophet of um, uh, Mormonism, <laughs> whatever the fuck it is, the Mormon, the, <laughs> the Mormon himself, the <laughs> the stair saints, the, the more ma'am upstairs, the stair day saints, you know, the latter day mm-hmm. saints. Um, I think they came out with a patch for the religion and were like, yeah, um, we got some new DLC. It allows for you to play basketball with a more revealing clothing. They really went out here and said they need to show more skin. Yeah. We, draw the draw the people we, in. We need we need females to attend events. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, obviously there must be females attending events. Well, how, shit. You know how do you what? think they, these people are getting soaked? Yeah, I was going to say like that's why they're all basketball players is so that you can jump and hump. <laughs> yeah. They need jump the hump for that shit. I I think they put the basketballs under their beds for a little bit more shock, a little bit more You know balance. what? Actually, I could see I could see BYU having a pretty good basketball team cuz they all get really good plyometric workouts when they're jump humping their friends. They're never not exercising. A practice. Can't be really, dedication like, like that. Mormons really, Mormon teenagers really out here being like, "Yo, God's got like raptor senses. His vision is based on movement." <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're honestly on the the bleeding edge, the bleeding edge of of just sexual position idea ideas. Look, honestly, jump pumping as a lazy man sounds pretty appealing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know how I feel about having the other person in the room doing the jumping, but the the principle of not having to actively thrust hey, is appealing to me. They're all about that poly, so mm. it's true. What's a, I don't know why they just don't have a machine that you know just picks them both up and does like action figures with them. Just <laughs> I mean, they do. That's their tough. top scientists are working on it. <laughs> That's <laughs> calling it the. It's their mech engineering. Barbie program. girl and GI jerk off. They have to. They have to have it uh, blasted in from the planet Kolob, and that could take a while. <laughs> That's their shipping. Me- shipping lob on my Kolob. Their mech shipping tech from Kolob is pretty. Uh... Their mech tech department senior design projects are full of just like um, yeah. So um, my robot just like. Uh, we'll take two uh, body-sized sacks of potatoes and throws throws it against another one. It's it's just a piston under a king-size uh, bed frame. For for the uninitiated, um, the planet Kolob is a planet described in the Book of Abraham, which is a uh, sacred text of the Latter Day. Um, Saints mm-hmm. Church, uh, that is the uh, actual planet 
extraterrestrial that uh, God and Jesus and everyone who who dies and is a good person lives on. Uh, so uh, now I thought they all got their own world. Yeah, I thought they only they all got their own little planet. So maybe maybe there's a little collab, collab. What do you call it? <laughs> collab. Collab. Uh, maybe there's. I thought little... that was the one. That was where. That was that was the home base. Like that's where the the HOA headquarters is. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. And maybe that's where Jesus goes. And then you go to the you go to the agency. They give you their planet in the celestial or the telestial or the. Okay, so uh, there's there's festival, some sphere. debate amongst. I'm sure top scientists. Um, is there a schism in the Mormon church <laughs> as to whether or not Colab is a star or a planet? Now it kind of makes sense as a star um, that all these other planets orbit around. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, well, I suppose the people who supposedly live on Colab could live in any environment because the rules don't matter. Rules. <laughs> Just like trailers don't matter. Thanks, thanks for coming. But we're gonna watch them anyway. Thanks for coming to Mormon Studs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, now that we've offended every, <laughs> we no longer have Starting viewers in the state slate, of Utah. <laughs> Next week it's Islam. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, folks. I have the same opinion of every religion. <laughs> Mormons are just funnier about it. <laughs> Now tell right. me more about uh, these. Well, yes, let's let's talk about the trailers here. The only guy I pray to is trailers. Yeah. Um. Oh, uh, geez, where to start on tray watch this um, week? We've got hot ones everywhere. Um. So it's, it's too hot to handle. Um. Let's let. I mean, I guess let's lead off nice and easy here with Cocaine Bear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was really the yep. Paddington three that we uh, didn't expect. Took a dark turn. I'm not gonna lie, uh, didn't mm-hmm. deserve, uh, but still appreciate. This is so. The first thing that occurs to me is like I know the story that this came from, or the story, <laughs> um, because this was this is the I think this is the theoretical limit that you can take inspired by true events to, <laughs> because there was a case where a bear did like like a hundred pounds of cocaine or some absurd amount of cocaine, like and that was the story. He did cocaine. And, like, he walked around and, like... Had a heart attack and died because he did a shit ton of cocaine. Let me see what the actual story was. Like, so it takes that and it expounds on it into a, like, a schlock movie monster. Yeah, so, like, it took me... I, I went back and forth a few times watching this trailer as to whether or not it was, like an intentional B-movie, like, Sharknado, Velocipaster-type thing where, like, it's it's clearly presented as a joke or if it was, like, actually taking itself seriously. I think it's closer to column A than it is column B. Mm-hmm. I think they just wanted to do a movie where they could just just go fucking buck wild. So, like, again, literally, the actual news, the actual story of this was, like, a one-paragraph newspaper clipping yeah. in fucking uh, the Georgia, in, like, a Georgia newspaper. No, it was in the New York Times in, like, 85. 
Well, it was. A black bear did cocaine and then died of an overdose. Wow. Yeah. Was on, and he died on September 11th. I oh. mean, shit. Rip. He was, he was a forerunner. He knew the future. Yeah. yeah I, I, the, uh, the trailer seemed like the tone of this was all over the place. I think you mentioned like you didn't know whether it wanted to be like a comedy or like a horror movie. Um, yeah. And I, I still don't know. I think it's leaning towards like horror, but. I mean, horror comedy is a thing. Um, mm-hmm. I I feel they're like not, this is kind of definitely not uh, trying to make the bear scary because it's bad CGI and they're just fucking flaunting it around. Yeah. yeah, and there are a few shots where like the bear is humping a tree, where you're like, okay, clearly that's meant to elicit laughter. Yeah. But there are other scenes where like, you know, they're being chased by the bear in the ambulance, where that's like, you know, played very straight. Um, I'm not quite sure where it lands. Great title. Uh, mm-hmm. The movie I fear will not be as good as the title. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think. So. I think the title is where the it, it starts high and then just loses stars all, from there. All I ask of this movie is just don't be boring, please. Like you can be whatever the fuck you want, just don't slow down. Take I, some cocaine. Go fast. I really don't know how uh, how you can really. Have a boring movie based on a coked up. Bear. Oh, they absolutely can. I, All you need is just one or two like side plots that just go on for way too long. I think. Oh yeah. I think the, we've, we've seen enough of that shit. I think the only way this is successful is if they like mirror it with like Crank and have have the bear be like Jason Statham and just have to like constantly <laughs> get cocaine to be fueled up or its heart's gonna stop. Well, at the at the name of at the end of the movie, they're gonna reveal that the bear's name is Chef Chelios, and this was a yeah. crank sequel. <laughs> oh, I'm so I do like that the bear literally just does a line off of the carcass. <laughs> oh, I'm so bloody pissed that I turned into a bear. <laughs> oh, I'm Jason Statham. Yep, sure, sure. That sure was Jason Statham. That oh, I'm Jason Statham. Can't you? Big big get for the show. <laughs> I'm glad I showed up. <laughs> Speaking of Jason Satham, you won't find him in this movie. <laughs> it's very, super, very smooth. All right. The Super Mario Brothers uh, dropped their full, official, hard, non-spoilery... Trailer with a hard R. <laughs> yeah. Trailer with the hard R. The Italiophobia goes real hard in this trailer, too. Kind of offended. Italiophobia? Yeah. The real racism. The one that the white man's afraid to talk about. Italians are white, though. Not in the 30s, they wasn't. Yeah, no. I don't. You think I have the c-word passed? No, I don't think so. I say that with the c-word, Sicilian. We have to. We have to duck that out. We have to bleep that out if I ever say that. I ain't no. I ain't trying to piss off no saltine conglomerate. <laughs> oh, I got you. Oh, I got you. Big Ritz. A little is bit of those come. rich bits. You know what I'm saying? Big yeah. Ritz is gonna come after me if I start. Nabisco has the fucking yeah. hard on for that. Very litigious company. Um. So the story of this trailer is that the French voice actor for Mario again is stealing the show. So we may have to watch the French subversion. Yeah. When we go see this movie. 
The uh, the Japanese voice actor cast is also stacked out of its mind. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like so, it. But really, like Chris Pratt is is not pulling his weight in this. Um. So there's a funny joke that's uh, going around, and a while ago he did some sort of either video, like a TikTok or a, a press conference or some of like that, where mm-hmm. he teased. The voice that he was going to do for Mario, right? And it's a this it was very this. deadpan. It was like it, it literally this. He's like yeah. he was like no, we thought that, it was a joke. He's like no, that's not like, going to be the voice I use. Don't worry. Well, you see, lied. No, he didn't necessarily lie. He might have done that, and then the director's like, "That's how I want you to do it." And he's like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> no, actually, that's really good. When everybody should have been saying, Chris, shut the fuck up. Do a better yeah. voice. What if they're just doing a Sonic movie? Right? And they, they're they not ready for this movie to come out. But they don't want to do something as drastic as put out a trailer with a bad, like, graphically bad main character. So they're just like, oh, man, Chris Pratt, he heard all your, your comments and he's overwhelmed. He wants to do really good for the fans. So we're going to push it back two months and he's going to redo all his lines. I, You know, I haven't heard enough people getting mad about his <coughs> voice. Um, I've just been hearing a lot of Luigi thirst traps and oh, yeah. um, praise over how Princess Peach isn't going to be the damsel in distress like she is in the games. And like, by Breaking games, I from mean like source material. <laughs> like, she's not going to be like, oh, your princess is another castle. I think they're going to pull more from the... Um, the source material of like Galaxy. Well, I, honestly, I've never they, played any of those. They really games. are throwing like everything in in this. Yeah, like, that's just gonna be a fucking hodgepodge. That's why I really don't like the look of it. This this trailer screams of like, I know what that is. Moments like you got fucking Donkey Kong in here. Uh, you got all the power ups being displayed in like a very literal mm-hmm. sense, and then you know fucking some of the classic hazards from Mario stages and it's just all I can't imagine that they're going to be able to weave these things into an organic story yeah like this movie is it's destined to suck I'll be honest <laughs> yeah and I mean it's it's not like they can pull like a sonic or like Oh, the animation is sucks, so we have to like push it back or whatever. Like the animation, the animation looks, is actually really good. Yeah, on this. The yeah, like that's fine. the best part of the movie. I don't like necessarily agree with Mario's uh, art design because mm-hmm. the overalls are like realistically and he doesn't have his classic dumpy. Yeah, but Donkey that's... Kong's dumpy. Um, so I guess some of the highlights that people have been pulling out of this was, um, um, like we said. They go to like different worlds, um, so we seem seemingly go to Donkey Kong Country, uh, where we do see mm-hmm. Cranky Kong, um, as we... like an emperor. <laughs> yeah, he's like a, a king. His fucking of. Uh, gorilla Grodd. Yeah, um, we do see more of uh, Jack Black's character, and we finally hear Charlie Day's voice from Luigi. He seems fine. Jack Black, I think, is going to steal the show. Um, because he's really getting into character with Bowser. Um, 
We see uh, Yoshi's World. They mention multiple galaxies um, and mm. different universes. They show like a war map of different kingdoms. So that's kind of like also a telling sign that we might see different worlds from like Super Mario World. Um, but yeah, like there seems to be a lot of like fan servicey bullshit with like the old school um, blocky design level thing that they come across, which is like random. Like yeah. just I'm, yeah. I pulled up the screenshot of it. So it's, just it's like, like their training grounds where he has to train. Oh, maybe it's a tra- if it's a training ground. Yeah, yeah. that's fucking. That's cool. why it is. That that <laughs> does make sense. That's probably it's probably going to be like a training montage, and Peach is going to train him for whatever. She's going to teach him how to jump good. And, yeah, I like the thing about this is it's taking say what you want about the 1992 Super Mario Brothers movie and make no mistake I did not like that movie I did <laughs> not think it was good however I respect that it along with the Sonic movie decided to you know not just try to make a movie plot out of the game that has very little plot but mm-hmm. take elements of that and create its own unique story and try to create a quality movie. In the case of Sonic, that worked out. In the case of the Mario Bros. movie, they didn't quite nail the execution. This feels too much of the other way for me. Yeah, I mean, they they are going to have the bit, it seems like, from based on the other trailer, that Bowser is essentially going around to all these galaxies and stuff and... Collecting the uh, kingdoms power stars, and they're yeah. collecting the power stars. What that means is, in terms of like Endgame, I'm not sure. I don't know if that's even addressed in the in the games. Um, I mean, he's gonna turn to Giga Bowser, and that's how they're gonna do the final climactic battle, probably. Maybe. And I I really don't know how. I mean, it just feels like it's gonna be a very simple plot of them trying to stop Bowser from collecting the stars, and they're gonna fill the runtime with. Um, nods to the games like the the raccoon costume and power up and Tanuki. Uh, yeah, t- yeah, the Tanuki mat or Tanuki skin or whatever, and probably a bunch of other stuff. Like we saw Rainbow Road just randomly thrown in there with a bunch of carts. Yeah, the fucking Mario Kart thing. Like it's just Nintendo said, I want all of our games uh, represented in this movie. You even saw Yoshi's World, so I I wouldn't be surprised if you see like a Mario Party kind of thing. Like, I would not be shocked if fucking Captain Falcon made a cameo in this movie. Mario starts playing golf in the middle of this shit. Yeah. Are they going to, like, is he going to have, like, a a sports sports bag that he's going to have to um, go through, and there's going to be golf and a tennis racket? The end of the trailer sting is going to be the Rabbids. Oh, fuck me. Shut up. Don't put that that juju on us. That is 100% going to happen. Have they not already made a Rabbids movie? That that's made the most surprising thing I've heard all day. Yeah, they've but they have made two Mario plus Rabbids games. They've both sold pretty well. Yeah, uh, from what I understand, they were actually decent games. They were weird in that it was like an XCOM mm-hmm. ripoff. Oh yeah, that's right. But uh, I people who have played them. 
enjoyed them. So that's that's all you can really say yep. about one thing. Um, Let's keep moving. Yeah, Guardians. Be, we'll stick with Chris Pratt. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three trailer one's out. James What's Gunn says goodbye knows? to the MCU forever. I'm gonna go run DC now. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so the uh, the the weird thing, and I kind of I don't know if I mind this or not. You kind of need to see or get the spark notes for the hol- from the holiday special. There's like one important plot point from the holiday special. Um, See, this is the biggest fucking problem with Phase 4 of the MCU, is that they they pulled a full Kingdom Hearts, and they scattered everything, you know, six sheets to the wind. Like, I used to think it was a good idea to do something like that as a kid who was dumb. I used to think, like, you know, DC has these shows on the CW. Why don't they just use those to develop the characters for the movie? And the reason that that's a bad idea is not everyone wants to go and hunt down every piece of fucking content to understand. So James Gunn described it like this, where he didn't mind putting this part in the holiday special because it's kind of minor and it just sets up the setting of where they are so they don't have to go through, like, the rigmarole of bringing right. back, like, where the Guardians of the Galaxy left off after Endgame, or I guess after Ragnarok. Uh, yeah, it'd be no. after Ragnarok. No, Thor Love and Thunder. Sorry. Love and Thunder. Love I, and Thunder. Wow, yeah. I forget that title so hard. That's the second time I've replaced that with Ragnarok. <laughs> um, Thor Love it's and Thunder. It's a very forgettable movie. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because all you see after Love and Thunder is that the, the team, the Guardians of the Galaxy, like, left Thor. And went off to do fuck all. To go find Gamora, actually. Is what their mm-hmm. whole thing is. So that's what you gotta know. That's the only important thing from previous movies. Is that they're trying to find Gamora. But the only other thing that you need to know from the holiday special. Is simply that they bought Nowhere from the Collector. Mm. And the Collector is okay. not dead. Which I think was kind of... Um, they put it in some other movie. They, they showed the Collector possibly being alive flying away in a ship anyways nowhere is their like base of operations that's the only like thing so they don't have to like set up the setting they can just start it off and go because i don't think they're going to be in nowhere long yeah like i don't even think like that's if they start up in nowhere that's that's cool that's like whatever i mean that i wasn't ranting specifically at guardians of the galaxy but like you introduce the main antagonist for your next Avengers movie in a Disney Plus series and then didn't mention him again until the first movie of Phase 5. Well, that's the weird thing about Kang is that he can have, like, like, that's not the same Kang that we're going to get in Quantumania, if that makes sense. Because there's a different multiverse, a different version of him, and the Kang that we're getting in Quantumania is going to be completely different. Now, whether I mean, or not that seems like a complex concept that I, you know, we should have a lot of experience with before we get into that character. Yeah, man, if they only had that like occurring in, in different series where he showed up in like different iterations of himself, man, that'd be be interesting. It'd be a good move to do. It's it's like and like a more direct example is that if you didn't watch WandaVision, you probably would have been very confused about what the fuck was going on 
in Doctor Strange too. That's a that's a way better yeah that's a way better um, mm-hmm. example. I think they thought people more people watched WandaVision because it was one of their more earlier series that people were more hyped about. I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I don't think as many people watched Hawkeye um, or even She-Hulk for that matter. <laughs> um, right. But again, people are going to be just as confused whenever they bring in like Hawk's son into the MCU and they're like, well, what the fuck? Who is this? Like, oh, he was introduced for a split second on She-Hulk. You didn't watch that whole series to understand that little tidbit? Yeah. Because there was a whole thing where there was a whole thing where the Hulk had to go back to Sakaar and do something unknown, which we might get a movie about, we might get a a thing about we're not 100% Planet Hulk. That is the hope. Um, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, this whole, so this movie, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, um, has been rumored for a while to be about the origins of Rocket. And well, the trailer certainly implied that heavily. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're going back to like where Rocket came from, who made Rocket. Um, they alluded to, uh, kind of bad um memories that he had or some horror from his past in other movies and we're gonna explore that i forgot what the guy's name was um uh they they called him something it wasn't like the evolutionary or some of that um does it my my question on this is will it matter Probably or not. Or is he just going to be another throwaway bad guy? I think this is probably going to be another throwaway bad guy that's going to dis, uh, dissolve the Guardians of the Galaxy. Because this is... I mean, it's kind of spoiler... Not spoiler alert, but like we know their contracts are ending up. And like they all are very public about not wanting to continue with the MCU um, mm-hmm. after this. So this is kind of their farewell. Um, yeah. Like everyone involved in this movie is not going to be involved with marvel after this movie yeah Yeah. and i mean you might have a few characters here and there like i I don't even know who you would pick up i mean well i do know um i mean they're they're gonna definitely bring in um adam (coughs) yeah you can have adam warlock lead the next generation of the guardians of the galaxy and bring in characters like nova like it, it you can keep it going, but it's this. It's a similar issue that you know predictably they're they're running into now after um, Endgame, which is like, like the the artistry of this, like the the passion that people had for it is kind of waning, at, like on the people making it side because you wrapped up your grand narrative, your ten year meticulously planned out. Uh, story arc concluded mm-hmm. and what you're left with now is a continuation of the mcu for what feels like very soulless and corporate interests mm-hmm. it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like there's any art to it anymore like a lot of filmmakers like scorsese would criticize marvel movies early on calling them like amusement park attractions or, or what have you and I didn't necessarily feel like that criticism was fair at the time. Now it certainly feels like that. It, it it's corporate product to to satiate you while you await release of next corporate product. Yeah. 
And that's why I feel like they've struggled like they have at the box office this year. Um, well, I mean, struggle yeah, in Marvel like... perspective. Yeah, they didn't have a single billion dollar movie. Um, like Guardians of the Galaxy itself was kind of a lightning in the bottle. Everyone was was remar- you know it was remarkable. Everyone said how they took a side product or a side story characters and pushed them into a enjoyable limelight. Yeah, they were like real. But that's a James Gunn thing. That's not a fucking. That's not inherent to those that property yeah. or those characters. And, and we're they're finding that out the hard way that you can't fucking. It's not so easy to repeat that. Yeah, and for other side characters. Like even if I'm honest, like. I didn't really enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two all that much. It didn't. Well, it didn't have the same charm. I feel like a lot of a lot of things that Guardians of the Galaxy Two tried to do was recreate the same pizzazz that Volume One had, which was like the the special soundtrack from a specific genre of music, and then all the what were the eighties, nineties references, eighties, eighties references. Um, to a lot of things, and it had a much more down-to-earth plot for being a sci-fi space movie, whereas you get Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, everything kind of jumps a shark with, like, you really go from, like, just defeating a big bad with quirky dance moves to fucking finding out your father's a planet, having superpowers of your own, Killing your father, losing those superpowers, and then losing your, I mm. guess, father figure. Meanwhile, like the the pacing and tone of those movies, or swap for what they were, where the the first one has the plot of like an everyday, like you know Saturday morning cartoon, but has the the pacing and the the tone of like a really snazzy breakout kind of thing. Whereas like the second one, which I remarked on when we reviewed it was you know it has all this these dark themes and like this really heavy stuff but like the movie itself felt like a cul-de-sac yeah and i i have to assume i have to imagine that's a little bit more of like intervention from like big high up marvel with trying to fit so much into a movie and like even look at this and like they're probably going to take a hour and 50 minute movie i don't can't imagine this is gonna be more than two hours um I don't think they really have, but Fly Panther know, Two was two and a half hours. Was it? Wait, Guardians of the Galaxy Two was two and a half hours? Oh no, no, no. Or, uh, uh, Black Panther Two was. Oh yeah. I don't know how long Guardians of the Galaxy Two. I think the first one was two hours. I was still. You're taking like a even if it's like a two hour movie. Um. Oh yeah, two hour movie. Two hours and uh, seventeen minutes. The second one was. Oh yeah, two hours and seventeen. Um. Hmm, anyways. Two hours and some odd minutes. And you're going to try to cram in a ton of characters. You're also cramming in a ton of like new characters. You have the Cosmo Dog. You have this whole world of these animal hybrids that are related to Rocket. I mean, we're at least fleshing out his character and, and maybe getting a finale to his arc. But, you know, you still have like Mantis and... Um, Gamora was shown. I don't know how much she's actually going to be in the movie, but uh, Nebula and, and you have the the James Gunn's brother. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know his first name is, but you're just jamming so much in here, and probably going to leave very little time for the uh, <laughs> villain to like ramp up their <coughs> arc and have yeah, any well, like sort of motivation. 
So it's like, why do I even care if you're just going to kill him off in the end of it? If we're being honest for ourselves, that was a criticism you could have made of the original, is that the villain kind of just was there. I Yeah, I actually didn't think the villain was all that great. Um, but I think it, what, it, what it lacked in like a good villain, and honestly a subpar plot, you had decent pacing good it was fun cinematic I think it was the, a fun movie yeah the biggest was, thing about it yeah. is is that it was fun the interactions between the characters were fun the it was it was funnier than a lot of the other movies and it worked within that it didn't take itself too seriously i think i think also the big thing is uh, you know as, as hard as it to admit it um dave batista was a big selling point on the first one and mm-hmm. his charm kind of drops off after that i mean yeah he has like one joke but I, because i don't know man i how many times do you want me to laugh at like dave batista taking something too literal and then laughing about hurting somebody like yeah let's yeah, there's not a lot of space there <laughs> it's one note and dave batista is a uh a limited actor <laughs> yeah and he was he was great in the first one and then fell off Kind of like a decline, and he was he was heavily uh, portrayed in the um, holiday special, so it's like oh great, haha! <laughs> <laughs> like mm-hmm. honestly, it was more Mantis who was uh, I guess funnier than Dave Batista in, in the holiday special, but uh, fuck, I don't know because right, she's the she's the new one. Yeah, to yeah. flesh her out a little more. All right, I guess let's let's move on to. The other Disney <laughs> property here, uh. Indiana Jones, um, Harrison Ford, and the best CGI makeup money can buy go on one more adventure in the fourth Indiana Jones movie. The kids today know what a dial even is. It's that thing you change the channels on on the TV. So I'm not sure... <sighs> when this is supposed to take place there's scenes from a parade that look like it was probably uh ve or vj day um so post world war ii but not Mm -hmm. too far post world war ii yeah so there's like flashback scenes where they're flexing their de-aging stuff on harrison ford and those those don't look awful um but Looks like the present day stuff is. I'm gonna guess the 60s. That's uh, that's, what that's my guess. I would that would place him at the right age, because he is old. And why why are we still making Indiana Jones movies without rebooting the main character? Like you can, I promise y'all. Like Harrison Ford was great as Indiana Jones. You can find another swashbuckling adventure star who can be Indiana Jones. You need to if you want to keep making these movies. I don't want to see another Indiana Jones movie, though. If you're going to do that, make a new character. Tell their Mm -hmm. stories. Like, to me, Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. You can't do an indie movie without Harrison Ford. That being said, you, you nailed it on The Last Crusade. Like, that was perfect way to send off the character and then uh you know you waited um you know 40 years however long ago last crusade came out uh, yeah. and you make another movie 
and only one other movie. This definitely wasn't tried and failed before. Was there a fridge scene with that one? Is that the fridge one? Um, yeah. no, that that there was there was a uh, test scene that uh, leaked with that, uh, but they they never ended up making that movie. It was just oh. a rumor. Oh. Like it, I I will say it's fucking. It's been so long. Like again, this he's so old. He's so old, and it's been so long since the last one. He even jokes about. The fucking the fucking crystal skull jokes are old at this point. What's like, what's the crystal skull? I think it's a vodka or something like that, right? Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. Dan Aykroyd's vodka. How could I forget? Mm-hmm. Dan Aykroyd is also really fucking old at this point. How old They're is Danny? They're all old, and you keep casting them again and again. Because you can't do anything original. It's it's not allowed. Dan yeah. Aykroyd's seventy. Uh, I have. No horse in any race uh, that is Indiana Jones, um, especially no horses that are in parades that might kickstart World War One or whatever. But mm-hmm. if I did, I would say, because I don't really know a whole lot about Indiana Jones, it just seems like a lot of nostalgia bait. Really at, picking up on those. Have which, you at least seen an Indiana Jones movie? I I know I've probably seen bits of like the the older ones, um, but I don't even know. I think the only one I watch them. Watched, watch them. Watch, watch, watch Raiders. Go, go up. When we're done here, go and watch Raiders, and then uh, you can skip Temple of Doom. I don't know if it'll ever live up to Crystal's skull. The, <laughs> what the fuck is the vodka? What does the vodka have to do with this? <laughs> I think that's the only one that I watched. Was the um, the test the test pilot the screening the the test screen one. Which is um... so. I mean, Indiana Jones as a concept is kind of rooted in nostalgia bait because it's an homage to the serials of the 1930s. Um, but like in terms of like nostalgic Indiana Jones beats here, I mean, you got the car chase thing. I mean, that's yeah. just general action movie stuff, and yeah. the problem with it is it's all kind of like CG now. Obviously, in some cases, out of necessity, but a lot of the charm of the original movies was the practical effects and stunts. Because like, that was also a part of the old serials, was yeah. mustering up as much fucking spectacle as you could make and getting 10,000 dudes out on a fucking desert on a, on a Friday afternoon to shoot your shot. Yeah. So- I'm looking you, Ben Hur. My take, <laughs> horses and shit. My take from this trailer was like, it just seemed like a lot of flashbacks to the previous movies or previous journeys with a CGI de-aged uh, Harrison Ford, and then on top of that, um, like maybe somehow roping in a new plot in the current time. I don't even fucking know. I don't know what's gonna happen in this movie. Yeah, like this like, movie. This trailer, I should say, didn't give you a whole lot of indication of what the heck is supposedly going on. Um, I don't know what the fuck the Dial of Destiny is. I don't know why it's important. Um, it is not an un- undone setup to have someone walk into uh, uh, Dr. Jones's classroom and-, and send him on an adventure that happened mm-hmm. 
I think, in all three movies. <laughs> I, That's just how it goes, yeah. I have a theory. I think, after like understanding very little Indiana Jones, it seems like what they're running with is Indiana Jones went on a journey a while ago, or an adventure a long time ago, which they're flashing back to constantly, that he stopped like Nazis from getting this one trinket, which is probably the Dial of Destiny or whatever they had, and he had to get it back from them. Um, and then he did it. He was successful. He won. He saved the day, yada, yada, yada. And then 50 years later, when he's like a shriveled up old grape, um, somebody comes and is like, ah, the dial's back, and they're looking for it, and they're going to end the world if they get their hands on it. You're the only one that like can help and not the police? Um, that's my guess. Yeah. My I got nothing. Yeah, I... I didn't need another Indiana Jones movie. I didn't really want another Indiana Jones movie. Like, I, I love Indiana Jones. I am a big fan of um, two of the three <laughs> movies. And mm-hmm. um, I love the ride at Disneyland. Um, you know, it's it's one of the, the great, you know, series of of films from my childhood that I remember very well. Um, not that I was a kid when these were released, but home video is a thing. Um, and, you know, I'm, not, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't need more. We're, we're all right. <laughs> I don't need to see 80-year-old Harrison Ford try to be Indiana Jones for one last paycheck. Just like I don't need to see another fucking Transformers movie. Are you uh, kidding me? A hundred percent disagree with this. It's not, this is not the same as Indiana Jones. We a hundred percent needed another Transformers. Do you want to know why? One simple fact. I'll tell you why. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Um, New cars come out and they got to sell them one way. (laughs) And the best way is to put a little human inside it and then have a fucking have it crazy into a robot. Yeah, have it turn into a robot around that person and then have like Sirius XM be like advertised on the radio or some shit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my like, god. Oh, Porsche's Porsche's just cooming all over this movie. I love it. I really hate the trend in trailers where you take a pop song and like remix it to fit the the tone of your trailer. This was perhaps one of the most egregious <laughs> that I've seen. Yeah, I don't, what was the, I? I don't remember. Even though I just watched it, what was the pop song? It was um, uh, uh, "Juicy" by uh, Oh Jesus Biggie. Oh yeah, yep, yeah. No, I, that's it's coming back to me now. They saw the Sonic trailer and they had "Gangsters Paradise" and they're like, "We want a '90s rap song in our trailer." Because it's um, set in the '90s, I guess. Which is it? I'm not. <sighs> You know what? I was going to say, doesn't that fuck with the continuity? But I think this apparently is like a different time. He was back yeah. in Arthurian times in the last one. So what the fuck do I know? No, he wasn't. That was a flashback. No. Okay. So King Arthur was really a transformer. Okay. I thought he was Hellboy's dad. <laughs> no, that. That's what you put at the top of a power line, a transformer. These are <laughs> Autobots. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know exactly where the timeline is on this. And frankly, I don't think the writers do 
either because like from all the other ones they've like been fucking going buck wild with like what the timeline is uh one of them optimus prime is like i'm gonna go find out who who sent you who who's your creator and then he flies off into space doing fuck all comes back and he's evil and some shit i think that was the um king arthur one really i um, i i haven't watched anything since three and they haven't <laughs> <laughs> they haven't caught my interest. I haven't watched it's, anything um, since the second one, and I th- I think that was the first movie I've ever actually walked out of before it was over. Yeah. Like, this is... I, I think the part of this is Hasbro very, very desperately trying to diversify their fucking portfolio on some level, because I've seen a lot... There's not just the Transformers and Magic, but, like... I guess there's been a lot of new Transformers content in general. Like, they they got, like, a dark adult comic book going on, or, like, Shattered Mirror, I think that's the one. And I've, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of Transformers talk in the last few weeks from, like, of just, like, stuff. I'm like, what the fuck? Is that, did they just, like, decide to revive the fan base? And I think this is part of that. Even, you know, they're trying to do that, but at the same time, try and appeal to the... Same people who watched the first three. It's a mess. Uh, you know, I gotta give it to Transformers. There's, It has a lot of flaws. But the ego of Transformers is so huge. They will put a stinger at the end of every movie and be like, yo, we're coming back for five more. Even if they mm-hmm. don't connect, dude. Like, we're coming back for... we have We're set up for decades we're doing this thing and because i remember the last movie i think they did they set up um unicron and they were gonna do a Wait, whole last wasn't, unicron song. wasn't that the whole thing wasn't that the plot of the third movie um no it was that the moon was like a giant allspark that was supposed to rebuild cybertron on earth okay yeah, it's fucking stupid. So there was Dark of the Move, 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 move Dark of the Moon. Uh, oh, it was Transformers, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. That was the second um, one. That was the second one. Then there was the Dark of the Moon, mm-hmm. which was the third one, which was the, they found an Autobot on the moon or whatever and brought him back to life. Um, the fourth one was the Dinosaur one, Age of Extinction. Mm-hmm. That was when they found the dinosaur. You had the big thing with Optimus on the back of a T-Rex. Grimlock. Grimlock, yeah. Uh, you had Transformers, The Last Night. That was the Arthurian one. Uh, and then you had Bumblebee, which I don't even know if Bumblebee like melds with anything. All I know about Bumblebee is John Cena's in it. <laughs> yeah. And they had, they're fighting Nazis or something like that? I don't know. But I believe the... We're all fighting Nazis was... every day. Mm-hmm. Which one was Unicron? All right. Well, uh, Unicron's not in this movie, so the setup was unless. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I doubt he is. This one's about beasties. They they have the they have the gorilla one. Mm-hmm. They have the Cheetor. Um, you're gonna see more animal ones, which isn't really that like crazy because we already had the Dinobots from the fourth one. Kind of. Um, they were barely in that of. movie. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I guess you're gonna have a little bit of mix with the the 
the what are they what are they called the metamals maximals the maximals and the predacons the predacons yeah so which is the most fucking <laughs> that 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 phrase just it speaks to me as like 25 to life i just hear predacon <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh no! It's the convention. You just got arrested, and you're going to maximum security prison. If they keep this in the same universe, which I think they are, the thing that they're going to have to win me over with is somehow explaining that there has been a whole other group of transforming robots in the jungle somewhere, and at no point did they show up in the other five movies. Well, this is set before those movies, I guess. Oh, is this set before those movies? It says in the 1990s, and I think the first one came out like year like it was set in the year it was released. Oh, Poggers, dude. That's great. I'm fine then. I'm one over. All right. Well, let's uh let's follow up on some of these previous trailers with with our segment we call the follow-up looking at the Five day weekend domestic weekend Thanksgiving time forty seven twenty third through the twenty seventh Thanksgiving five day weekend and World Cup apparently worth shouting out too. <laughs> maybe they maybe they put them in theaters. I think that was our theory. But I could I see know. maybe some games being in theaters, but they don't show up on this chart, so I don't. Uh, yeah. Um. Regardless, uh, number one movie for the third week in a row is Black Panther. Um, mm-hmm. I some, think that's some kind of forever. 63 million is not updated because that was the same thing we saw last week. Let me check my calendar just real quick here. Um, okay, yeah, all right. Well, whatever. It's $63.8 million and it's made $682 million worldwide. A far cry from its predecessor. Strange World, despite a lot of very negative press about how it was performing at the box office, opened in a decently strong second place, bringing in 18 Point eight million dollars over this five day span, which I guess isn't that great when you consider it's five days. Um, worldwide, so far, it's made twenty nine million dollars with only twenty million domestically. So it, it has made just two million dollars after its opening weekend. So yeah, that's not great. But you don't have to be a great movie to find yourself. In our spotlight. That's right. Everyone's favorite segment on the show, I'm sure. Uh, I'm going to be user review spotlight for Strange World. It's a strange world, and there are strange people living in it, and they're going on to their computers or their phones or their tablets or their uh, soup can contraptions. And they're, uh, you can also submit reviews by Messenger Pigeon, I believe, um, or Smoke Signal. That's also IMDb's valid. Certainly been around that long. Yeah. Um, so all of this, uh, all of this, to say that we have we have gone to the well one more time. 
as if we aren't going to do this again next week. <laughs> We've gone to the well one last time <laughs> to get some some reviews from the realest These of real. These are the last reviews ever to be made. Yep. Uh, the world's canceled after the show airs, so uh, make peace with that. Um, but KD, from the book of KD, chapter 7, uh, verse 34, uh, line 39. <laughs> Strange, bro. <laughs> 10 out of 10. A marvelous film. Don't listen to the haters. Submitted uh, November 27th. I took a group of five preteen children to see this. They all loved it. They weren't my kids. I just took them. We went to see Strange World. <laughs> one said, quote, one said it was, quote, the best film I've ever seen, close quote. When asked for numbers, they all said at least nine out of ten. I rounded up. They loved the diverse characters, the colors, spelled with a U, fucking limey tart. <laughs> the excitement and the story. No one fidgeted. No one even asked to go to the toilet. Is there anything more important than the fact that they all loved it? This is a film for children, and it appeals to children as a parent Again, not of these five particular kids. <laughs> but as a parent, I adored the messages of love and acceptance. There are three generations represented here. And yes, they do clash. But fundamentally, they love and accept each other. And it's just wonderful to see that portrayed on the screen. Personally, I didn't see where the story was going. I was too busy enjoying it to analyze it, which is a good sign. And I was delighted by the ending. Don't listen to the people who are hating it on principle. It's a marvelous film. We got one, baby. Six out of 79 found that helpful. Oh, now, yeah. Now, I, I, shared oh, a, um, I shared a link that was not has nothing to do with Strange World, but you, you mentioned the bathroom break, no bathroom breaks and everything, and that reminded me of the quote, um, where there was a quote from James Gunn, not James Gunn, James Cameron. James Brown. Guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. The Avatar one. You can go to the About, bathroom whenever you want. James Cameron says, we'll get back to our reviews. Don't worry. Go to the bathroom. You go to the bathroom because you're going to come back and see it again. It doesn't matter. You're not going to miss anything. You'll see it the next time you watch it. Oh, I oh, can't it's gonna flop, baby. It's I can't gonna blow wait up. to go to watch a three hour and 12 minute movie in the theaters twice. I'm going to get my Gatorade bottle and pee in the movie theater. Fuck you, James Cameron. I'm not missing a second of your shit film. Anyways, one out of ten. I got to get I got to get heated for these reviews because these reviews are fucking angry, dude. The Karens, they got their they got the pizza places manager on speed on. dial. They got their, they got their Palm Pilot just fucking ready to type in hateful words on their IMDb user account. Yeah, they they never upgraded from the BlackBerry, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 
Is your spoon uh, warm yet? The top the top one was uh top one was good as golden. Um one out of ten from Jody's German Shepherd. Boy, I love my German Shepherd. If my name ain't Jody. This movie was exactly what you would expect from the new Disney. New Disney. Slow, boring, and not worth your money or time. The beginning started out great. Seemed like, yep, Disney is back. Then you get to scene two. The second scene of the movie. And you're like, nope, Disney isn't back. This is the same tomfoolery they tried to pull with Lightyear. Now, I don't... I don't mind a little wokeness in my movies. I, I think you do. You can have the a light color. The scene was a second. <laughs> After all, that is that is the time we are living in. Mm-hmm. But when the whole movie from scene two till the end is filled with it, there is only so much we can bear to watch with our children. Please. Don't think I didn't understand the premise before we left. I did. I just didn't realize it. It was going to be that bad. 113 out of 156 found that out. You know, it's it, she's got a point. It's shit like this that, that dropped Bob Iger out of retirement. <laughs> Bob Iger they said, were- strange world. We got a queer colored boy coming into our movies. I won't have it. You know that that and the uh, the massive losses that were they were you know sweeping under the rug there. Yeah, it's a hundred percent strange. Strange world caused all the losses. Peter, weren't you paying strange, attention to the box little office? Non-binary tomfoolery caused this company to go belly up. Caused an accounting error, you know, the computers, they couldn't handle the non-binary. I just need to say this just in general. Like, if, unless the character is involved in a romantic plot in the movie, do we need to know anything about their sexuality? I don't even know how, from based off the trailer, I don't know how you get into anything that is like, with anybody's sexual orientation or whatever what doesn't matter i uh, look the only thing you need to know is that if somebody isn't straight it's like schroeder but if if you don't say it they are they are talking about butt sex and (laughs) you know that's the thing i mean that that's that's the whole thing with like this whole anti-woke and if they're talking about woke they're most likely talking about bringing in diversity or bringing in like a diverse cast. And if they're talking about a non-heterosexual relationship, like when you see a mommy and a daddy, you don't automatically think, oh, they're fucking, dude. P and V all the time. <laughs> no, you don't think that because we live in a heteronormative society. But if you talk about a daddy and a daddy, you're like, who's the who's the bottom? Who's the oh, I bet he's the bottom. I bet he takes it up the ass nightly. And if you talk to my kid or look at him you're gonna turn him gay my theory on fixing this problem is uh if you don't explicitly say anything about the sexuality of the character it's schrodinger's uh libido you know 
It's both straight and gay until you open the box. So you can assume and project onto them whatever you want. There are plenty of media characters that are not explicitly uh, well, queer. Well, well, but Just... take but take like Lightyear for example. Um, everybody got pissed at Lightyear for what they did, but what they did wasn't wrong. They showed two people in a relationship holding hands. <laughs> Uh, I think they did a peck on the cheek, if I'm not mistaken. But they they implied they were married. It they imply that they're married is two people in a relationship, and it's There's like nothing inherently wrong about that because nobody would bat a fucking eye if the other person was a no. opposite gender. No, I don't. I don't think anyone yeah. here is saying it yeah. was wrong, no. especially when it was like no. 20 seconds of screen time no exactly and i'm sure this is whatever whatever the fuck is in strange world i still don't know what yeah i don't everybody's know what's up going and about over strange world i really don't maybe i should go see it just to know what the fuck is going on <laughs> like if anything they they put a bunch of bots disney put a bunch of bots out there to stir up anger about this movie just to but get you know who isn't it. a bot the man that Peter's review is going to read. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. He so, this, so this review segment here. I uh, pulled it back. <laughs> I might have steered us off the rails to begin with, but I pulled it back. <laughs> from uh, from Cinema Surf, working, working in the fields of the, of the cinema. Uh, six out of ten. Strange world. The last 15 minutes or so do redeem this to a certain extent, but otherwise it is a curiously disjointed story that seems drawn from Island at the Top of the World, 1974, with bits of Journey to the Center of the Earth, 1959, and The Lost World, 1960, thrown in for good measure. We start with the legendary explorer Jaeger Clade, who is determined to find a way past the enclosing mountain peaks of their community. Like many a father, he drags along his unwilling son, and when things come to a head, he proceeds alone, leaving the younger man, Searcher, I think that's actually his name, um, with his newly discovered crop of radioactive Brussels sprouts. 25 years pass, and he has now grown up and successfully developed a farm of these particularly useful vegetables. He even has his own statue. Suddenly, though, the plants start to die, and it falls to him and his own young son Ethan to embark on a perilous mission to the heart of the plant's root system and save it before it dies. These escapades are nicely and creatively animated with some fun to be had along the way, but there is simply too much sentiment, familial discord, and cheesy dialogue to sustain this, as well as a dog that really annoys after a while. The characterizations are really undercooked, and just about every box you can imagine is ticked as the story ultimately concludes with a bit of a nod to Oriental mythology. Uh, it is certainly watchable, but there is no need to shell out on a cinema ticket for it. Disney Plus will do fine in due course when you can safely leave the kids to watch. 47 out of 81. That's a very helpful review. Um, this one from uh, Kenisu fucking weeb um likely less helpful 10 out of 10 everything about it is amazing 11 out of 10 
amazing movie, amazing characters, amazing animation, amazing visuals, amazing lesson, amazing family bonding, really realistic relationships, especially love Ethan's mom. She's the coolest. And Searcher is really good, is a is a really, really good dad and tries so, so hard. And even though he isn't always right, he always has the best intentions and has such a pure heart, but still is such a realistic character. That was a long ass sentence. I mean, if you want to talk about bots, I yeah. swear it. <laughs> Disney just gets better and better with making their characters feel like actual human beings with all the flaws involved makes them more relatable and i have to applaud the animation and vid dev department <laughs> what what's vid dev it's it's cgi for cinematography ah, i see they only know how to get better i especially love the opening sequence in the part where Jaeger Claude is explaining Searcher how he ended up in the strange world. I'm going to explain you something real quick. <laughs> Alright, I gotta go with this one because it just seems to be everybody's... Zero out of four found that helpful, by the way. Ah, yeah, I, got, I got one with um, at least 300 people looked at this. Which is pretty crazy. Um, there is another one, but I don't really want to go on another dumb ranty one. Okay. One out of 10 doll by Mark McGuire. Lucky Mark. Oh, yeah. The slugger himself. Yeah. He came out of retirement for this one. His giant roided up forearms disliked the movie. <laughs> he had to get a special keyboard just to withstand <laughs> the power of his keystrokes. Um, Focused more on being inclusive than writing decent storyline. Felt like a bootleg copy of a kid's version of Avatar. The parents we went with fell asleep at one point, <laughs> and I found my popcorn to be more entertaining than the awkward dialogue they had throughout <laughs> the whole movie. <laughs> the characters were flat. Some of the side characters were more entertaining, and that's not saying much. Even cool-looking splat thing they found should have been called flop. <laughs> For a kid's movie, I can't even remember any of the jokes or anything that made my kids laugh. They like some of the action, dot, dot, dot. So there's that for the one star. 210 out of 302. Holy shit. Wow. It, this is so, like, it's so heavy on the low end. This is nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I think the the low reviews probably have a point because that's certainly been the the biggest consensus. Like, yeah, which is such a disappointment because, like, I don't know. When I saw the trailer for this movie, it looked like it was going to be some wild ass, like, really out there kind of shit. But like, I guess not because Disney doesn't want to fucking Disney doesn't take, take risks. <laughs> I guess so. I guess not. Um. And finally, from I'll get into my droopy dog voice for this, which you know, considering my state might be, you might be difficult for you to imagine <laughs> giving me into a droopy dog voice. Yo. From General and Dragon, five out of ten, strangely mediocre world. Yeah, 
pretty generic and meh. It's more like a that's like a Mr. Plinkett voice. Meh. Didn't feel much for the characters emotionally, and the movie wasn't that funny. The Strange World stuff wasn't really anything I hadn't already seen before. Where the plot goes, at the end thinks it's more clever than it actually is. I was underwhelmed by the entire execution. At the end of the day, Your this is very is weak by modern, <laughs> by modern Disney standards. It's an easy watch, and the animation is decent in places, as well as the music. But overall, I'm not going to remember much from it that I had already seen these premises slash concepts done in the movies before. A mediocre world is what it is. Five out of ten. 55 out of 66 or 55 out of 66 found that helpful well you you were like in the beginning at least like spot on with your like cadence of speech for blanket (laughs) yeah (laughs) turns out when you have when you have a balloon inside your face it's not that hard to talk a little bit like mr blanket uh let me give my vcrs back want to watch my night court tapes um but that's it for for the spotlight yep that's so now you know that's strange world now you know what's going on with strange world uh strange world strange world glass onion had a brief theatrical run in 660 uh, 696 theaters um it brought in 13.2 million dollars there uh it was not on. It's not not on Netflix yet. Not coming to Netflix till the end of the month. So confusing. It's so fucking weird. Um, but yeah, if, it seems as if Netflix wanted it to be a big theatrical hit. They could have done that, but it would also undermine their business model. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure what the play was there. Kind of in a rough spot. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, devotion. Opened in fourth. I went to see Devotion, so I'll give a brief uh, five-second review. Uh, it's pretty good. It's not... Um, it tells a different kind of war story than a lot of movies uh, do. It's not, like, a great movie, I don't think, um, but it certainly is a good and watchable movie. Um, I was not familiar with the story going in, so the ending kind of surprised me, but it's... Uh, uh, it's a, it's a good movie. I don't think you necessarily have to go out to the theater to see it. I think you can uh, wait till it winds up on a streaming service. Um, in fifth and in second week, the menu. I also saw that one last week, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll give a five second review of that. We did a spotlight. Um, it's it's somewhere in the middle between the two extremes of the uh, spotlight reviews. Um, it sets a nice atmosphere of tension even though a lot of the movie really nothing happens it takes a long time before you get into uh the meat of what's going on in the story and um i totally understand the review i read after this movie i crave a cheeseburger because after the movie I wanted a cheeseburger. <laughs> I went out to Herbie's to get a cheeseburger. <laughs> um, that's what it's all about, baby. But yeah, if uh, five if five is average, I would I would say that's probably a six and a half. Um, Black Adam. Well, that brought in seven point six million, by the way. Uh, Black Adam. 
all the way down six uh four point four million dollars for Black Adam, three hundred and seventy eight worldwide. Not a lot of money. About what I think that's right about what um Shazam made, interestingly enough. I guess in that case, I guess it's a perfectly proportioned sequel. Spinoff, I guess. Spinoff. But you have to consider the fact that uh, Shazam's, like, headline actor is uh, Zach Levy, who, you know, had a TV show. But The Rock is the most famous actor in the world. Uh, Black Adam made 12 million more as of right now. Oh. That's how much The Rock draws, baby. Twelve million. Yeah. That's the rock bump. <laughs> um Bones and All uh find itself in seventh. Uh it's made six point seven million dollars worldwide. Um in just twenty seven hundred theaters. The Fable Mans um find itself in eighth in just six hundred and thirty eight theaters. It's brought in three point one three million dollars. Ticket to Paradise, hanging out in the top 10, $2.64 million um, in its sixth week. That's made a pretty tidy sum, $163 million. Um, And The Chosen Season 3, Episodes 1 and 2. Another week in the top 10 for this Fathom event, which, you know, usually those don't last two weeks. (laughs) I went to see Episode 1. I stopped, went home, came back to see episode two the next week. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's that's your top ten there. Another slow week at the box office. They're they're preparing for the Christmas rollout. Preparing for Avatar, really. That's the big movie that's coming out this month. Clear out the theaters. It's time for Avatar. It'll have one showing a day. Because it's three hours and 12 minutes long. But what if I have to go to the bathroom? Oh, don't worry. You'll see it again. <laughs> oh, good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad James Cameron made up my mind. In, in, one, in one sense, I'm really looking forward to Avatar 2 because I can't wait for the review oh, on yeah. it. I'm I'm really excited to just tear into this movie because I feel like it's going to be really bad. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to see what this is going to have to compete with. Um, I don't think it's really going to compete with Violent Night. I think it's going to have to compete a little bit with um, The Whale. I, I think a different audience is going to see Avatar yeah. 2 versus The Whale. Like there, There will be some people who would watch the whale and would also watch avatar 2 but i don't think there's going to be a lot of people from the there's other only way so around. much water to go around get it because the way of water and the, the whales and aquatic uh, mammal it's a it's a joke it's a marine mammal hope we laughed um tech news yeah let's uh let's talk gaming slash tech news not a big a uh, week for gaming slash tech mm-hmm. news, at least not. I, although I do, I do have a story that I picked up. All right, go for it. Uh, Pokemon Violet players have found out in a you know as uh, another sterling example of the programming going into Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Uh, players have found that the R is missing from the RNG in the battle stadium. Uh, the 
accuracy RNG of of moves in the battle stadium for Pokemon Violet is set the same each time. Uh, so they've figured out that every move misses the first time, and then the second time it'll hit. So people just stack up with Fake Out and Sheer Cold and get to sweep the whole event. <laughs> it doesn't change from, uh, yeah, the RNGC just stays the same. So they just quick roll through it. Um, congrats, Pokemon Company. You, you did it again. You knocked it out of the park. Good that's, job. That's the story. Um, speaking of uh, programming, I guess. Uh, Intel Arc has another graphics driver update that has uh, boosted performance by up to 19% in some games. Um, but it's not all good news, unfortunately. Um, it's, or it's good news, but not great news. <coughs> Excuse me. As reported earlier in the month, Intel has updated a has released a driver update for the Arc GPUs with various performance improvement claims. But does the driver actually deliver on what's promised? PC World has taken a look and found some moderate, if mixed, improvements along with one game where performance actually regresses. Uh, PC World tested the Intel Arc A770 uh, using both the original launch driver and the latest update release, starting at the top in performance with Cyberpunk 2077 at 1080p Ultra. Uh, we assume no ray tracing. You wrote the article. <laughs> what the fuck do you mean you assume oh no pc world not pc gamer my bad um they assume without ray tracing enabled performance improved by five percent from 52 fps to 55 fps not a huge bump there um at 1440p ultra it is again about a five percent bump going from 41 to 43 percent or fps rather uh, Horizon Zero Dawn uh, saw a jump from 81 to 89 at 1080p, uh, though the performance was unchanged at 1440. Uh, Borderlands 3 uh, was uh, 92 FPS at 1080, badass quality, but um, got a 2 FPS uplift uh, at 1440. Hmm. Um it's a DirectX 11 title that shows the best gains, which is very interesting, uh, seeing as how there is no Direct X, like no leg legacy DirectX support on Arc. That's one of the reasons why performance in older games like CSGO is so bad. Everything happens through translation layers. Ooh, so okay. the instructions, like DX9 instructions can be... Uh, for lack of a better word, translated into DirectX 12 instructions. Um, mm -hmm. But that happens at a driver level, which adds in uh, a significant delay in the frame time, the time it takes the frame to to get, get got, yeah. um, which leads to bad stuttering and, and FPS drops in, in a lot of older times. you don't want in your, in your CS goes. Nope. It's kind of an important thing. So um, Total War is a DX11 game, uh, but and that actually showed the biggest uh, uplift, 19%, going from 91 FPS to 108 at 1080 Ultra. And at 1440p Ultra, <coughs> it was up 9%, 81 to 89 so it, it has been kind of rough sledding for Intel here, um, but it is it is important to be patient. This is the first time they've released a graphics card. It's not easy, and we really, 
I think every consumer should want them to do well enough to stick around in this space and continue to push competition and innovation. Right. Just be another player in the field. If they can put out a mid-quality card that they'll, they'll do what you want and doesn't like hurt your wallet, there's a there's a niche for that. Yeah, I mean, AMD's clowning NVIDIA's prices, but if we're honest with each other, a thousand bucks for a 7900 XDX would be a point of outrage were it not for the existence of a competitor card that's $300 more. Yeah. Uh, Discord servers can now start monetizing themselves by offering Patreon-esque subscription tiers. Oh, boy. Don't you love paying monthly for bullshit that you should get for free? Well, come on, guys. I need you to subscribe. I got to pay for Nitro. Yeah. Post post your dollars in general chat. Server subscriptions, uh, which launched last year as premium memberships, is now open to all server owners in the U.S. So, um, have have fun with that. You can set your tiers, how much it costs per tier. I don't know what benefits you get from being subscribed. Uh, so, oh you, unique roles, perks, and benefits. That's what their description is. Oh, my Discord kitten's gonna love this. Oh, she God. can sub- she can subscribe to me, and then I can give her different roles. And oh, it's gonna be different tiers for my my many kittens, my many Discord kittens. Yeah, it's the tiers I fear. It's the uwus. How many uwus? We should set get? up tiers for this Aaron Studs uh, thing, and like each one yeah. is a progressively more nude photo. Yeah. <laughs> It's like um, it, it's like one of those like casino like. But the dick pic tier is like a thousand bucks a month. Games. <laughs> yeah, it you start you start getting down to like Jap- Japan level censoring and it's it's just like we're just censoring just like the pee hole. At, like, yeah, if you if you if you pay so yeah, it's a thousand bucks a month for the dick pic tier. Um, however, for the low price of two hundred fifty bucks a month, you can get the Japanese dick pic tier, which is. Same, a single, same a naked, single dead pixel on the head. But you know, it, it's uh, it's blurry because you know Japanese people have blurry genitals, from yes. what I understand. Yeah, I, from yeah, the footage I've seen, that seems to be the case. <laughs> it's uh, it just it's from uh, some explosion happened I think a, a while ago in the forties, nineteen forties, some of that. I, I think it just happened after that. It started inbreeding a lot. One thing leads to another, anime and blurred genitals, you know. Should have dropped a few more. Um, <laughs> Street Fighter Six has another beta happening in December. Um, however, it is closed beta, and um, Capcom is not very happy with the uh, beta keys that were being sold off on online auction sites, so they have cracked down um, in hopes to prevent key resellers um, two months after its first closed beta, Capcom is a- offering access to Street Fighter VI once again. The game's second beta launches December 16th and runs through the 19th. If you were one of the lucky few who managed to snag a spot last time or handed over some cash for a key, you'll be able to check out the new beta without applying again. For newcomers or for those who weren't able to get in last time, you'll have to go through the application process. Um, the playable characters in this beta will be Luke, Jamie, Ryu, Chun-Li... Guile, Kimberly, Yuri, and Ken. 
Um, so that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight playable characters. Um, it's a decent Not amount. Bad little roster there. Um, and six, yeah, six stages: Metro City Downtown, uh, Genbu Temple, Carrier Byron Taylor. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, Titan Hong Yong, the Macho Ring, and everyone's favorite training room. Hey. So, uh, the gentleman. Be on the lookout for Street Fighter Six Beta. And with that, well, that's a story about Street Fighter. Let's let's talk about a story about a story about a Christmas. On a street okay. with with more fighting than you'd think. I fully expected to come into this movie being like, wow, what a yeah, here's, very mid movie. Here's the shocking twist. I didn't hate it. Yeah. I know. I know. I didn't hate it either. And this is after I saw a TikTok of somebody I thought was completely joking. I thought that maybe they were sponsored by, by uh, HBO <laughs> Max or whatever. And... They were like, oh no, like go see a Christmas story Christmas. It's like really good. Like it's not it wasn't really good yeah, how much they was... pumped it up to be, but like I was thoroughly entertained by this movie. I f- and I thought it was gonna be a cheap remake. Yeah. It's not as good as a Christmas story. No. I think if you're and I don't going... think it functions very well as a sequel either. Yeah. And like unless you're just someone who's curious to to see how this the whole thing shakes out there there really isn't a point to this movie because a christmas story is already the the better christmas movie i argue this makes a christmas story better okay knowing what we know i don't know that i agree but um well, I just think it makes it better knowing like the ending of this. Like this is I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Well, I it just it makes it better when with putting emotion behind it. When he it said he was the, the writer, like I knew the thing he was gonna write was gonna be a Christmas, a, a Christmas story. story. Like that was Well, some people didn't. <laughs> that was some the most obvious seen, thing ever. <laughs> some people haven't seen a Christmas story in a long ass time and we Well, I haven't seen a Christmas story in a long time either. I just knew, you know, writer, that's obviously going to be the story that gets picked up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we should so Christmas story. The interesting thing about that is that it's a movie that just it's a member berry planting machine. <laughs> Because the whole point of the movie is like, is just scenes that where things happen, and everyone remembers all the little things that happen in the movie. There is no arc to the story, or not not at least um, a strong one. No, it's the kid gets a, a rifle for Christmas, and he wanted one. Ooh. Yeah, this and things happen along the way. This had more of a an arc to it. It it falls a little bit into. I think at least for the first half of the movie and then a little bit again at the end, it does a pretty good job of being true to itself as its own movie. I think it runs out of steam a bit in the latter half of the movie and starts relying a lot more on callbacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's part of why it doesn't really work as a sequel for me because like ideally like, in my head, I would want to watch Christmas Story 1 and then right after go watch this as part of like a marathon or something, you know? 
And because there are so many direct flashbacks to original footage from the 1980-something movie, um, you're like, I just saw this an hour ago. I don't yeah. need to see it again here. So it doesn't work as like a as a as a part of a sequence viewing for me. Gotcha. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I maybe the intention wasn't for them to set up like, but I could definitely see them playing this before they play a Christmas story. I think that'd be a really I think, cool. I think you know. In. I think you could do that because the way the movie ends, spoilers, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Is is it it goes right into the first scene of of Christmas story yeah. original footage. Yeah. Um so it works on that level as like a lead into it and it's it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's a pretty brisk movie. It's an hour and 40 minutes, which mm-hmm. I appreciated. Um mm-hmm. I didn't really care about the kids. At all, yeah. they just kind of seem. Yeah, they just kind of seem to be there because the original Christmas story was about kids having a, a Christmas adventure. But they kind of just served as a as a, a gift consuming plot device and also a a way to uh, mirror Ralphie yeah, they, as I, a, a kid. And, I feel. And, you know, yeah, their main purpose felt like to give Ralph. Wealthy kids, <laughs> like to to, yeah. to set, uh, establish that he has kids that he mm-hmm. he's putting a Christmas on for, much like his dad, uh, well, put yeah. his, the Christmas on for him. And like I do, I think this movie works. Uh, has a nice emotional through line with um him trying to live up to his his dad's legacy of of putting on a great Christmas, and you know some of the pressures that come with that. And um, yeah, it, and it, I like the I do like the misadventure. Yeah, um, I I will say like there's maybe a little too much of like actiony slapstick in this. Like I know there was a there was a surprising amount of of child maiming in <laughs> in the the first one, but like I feel like that's more blatant here because like at the end of the movie, like fucking half the cast is in like is in casts. Yeah. Yeah, you you had a lot of um. There were a lot of goofy. There was a lot of times where it jumped the shark. I I understand like some of those times might have been a uh, a dream sequence where you know you kind of have to like limit yourself from reality. But then you have a massive scene of a bunch of drunkards mm. sliding down a hill, and it's like what? What? Does how that do you guys serve? feel about like his movie daydreams? Like I, I, it was a I weird, appreciated. I felt like it was a weird segue. Like I think the first one, like the good, the bad, and the ugly parody, like I liked conceptually, but I, I don't think it really fit the movie well, and it Did went those happen on in the original movies too. Like I don't remember. I don't if he recall had, like, imaginary those cutaways. That wasn't one of those yeah. memorable things that I. Yeah. Yeah. I, think I can't of. recall. He, had, he it. had one. He had one in particular with when he got the Red Rider BB gun. The one I remember most vividly was when he got the Red Rider BB gun and he went to go test it out, um, or he was daydreaming about having it, and then he would be shooting the bandits as they came over the uh, over okay. the fence. Remember, it's starting to come like back the, for me. Remember the bandits in like the white and black striped shirts? Um, right, and right. They were the gang of the what did he call them? Black, not Blackbeard, but like Black Bart. Yeah, Black Bart. Yeah. So they had Black Bart and his gang, and then he daydreams as a kid about defeating his 
gang, and that's who you're shooting with the Red Rider BB gun. Mm-hmm. In this, they replace that with snowballs, and it's like his family against the gang, and it's kind of out of left field. Yeah, they kind of throw this in there for no particular yeah. reason. Yeah, the, the so, struggle with me is that they're actually like pretty well produced. Yeah, but they just don't really fit into the movie, and they they last a little too long. Well, the whole thing why it works on the. And first I think one was enough. With one. A, yeah, and yeah, because you had the one in the beginning where he's on the game show, mm-hmm. and the it's Pulitzer, like, yeah, yeah, the, the Pulitzer or award show, yeah. Sorry, it was the award show, and he was doing that and daydreaming during the whole book thing, and it's like, uh, I don't really know if this is necessary, like, sh- whatever, mm-hmm. but. Um, I think it worked better when in a Christmas story because he was a kid and kids have these vivid imaginations and they get goofy sometimes. So it works better to visualize that and act that out. And get into the mind of a kid. Yeah. And get in the mind of a kid. But when it's getting in the mind of an adult, you don't really... Because adults are supposed to have more of a grounded reality where, you know, kids mm-hmm. more often... Well, if they do have a... That they can have that imagination, obviously, but it's usually for a purpose. It's not, oh, you're just daydreaming about shooting a, up a gang of uh, yeah. people with your snowballs. And then there was another helmets. one after that. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, when he uh, is in, uh, he thinks he's prison. going to prison. Yeah. That Although that wasn't like a movie, it was just sort of like a, a vision or like a, a you oh, know, yeah. an anxiety It went thing. CinemaScope, though, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think it did. Yeah. Yeah. So he like actually imagined him. Yeah. So and they had a whole thing planned out. It was a whole bit <laughs> where like his kid his kid becomes British punk and mm-hmm. his daughter becomes pregnant With a wonky and his wife eye. somehow maybe marries somebody. Yeah. It, it I mean, it's the callback to certain yeah. things. There was no really callback for the son, so I wish I, they they should have done something with like, oh, he actually lost his arm or some of that. That would have been a much better thing. If he right. lost his arm and became like a pirate or some shit, like, I don't know. Like, if you're gonna go goofy with like him having an accent and becoming emo and punk, then then fucking go all the way with it and just chop off his arm. Also, um, I just want to say, as a as a homeowner, certain scenes hit different now. Like when he's fit, yeah. fiddling with the tree and it's scraping the ceiling, I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. I think there were certain things that I like appreciated a little bit more. Well, it was also because it was in the view, in the perspective of the parent and not as the child. So you get this different. So that's why I, I think this does a little bit better job than a normal remake would do because they didn't try to just recreate a Christmas story because that was no, Christmas in the perspective a of a child. Of... Now this is Christmas in the perspective of an adult. <laughs> and you got gifts you got to get. You got dinner you got to get together. You got... The death of your father, you have to deal with. Yeah, that's a. I mean, that's an important beat, but man, is that a fucking downer? Like, yeah. I was again. I I put this up to the my mom standard, where I when I was at her, I was at my folks' house for Thanksgiving. We put on Weird Al, the Weird Al movie, which I was like, oh, it's a kind of it's a pretty wholesome, you know, cheery movie. Like, it's nothing crazy, but like the scenes of of like mild violence were like too much for her. Right. She was like, nope. So, like, it's a bit. My, my mom has a very strict PG test. And this, <laughs> she, I know the original Christmas story passed it, but this one, I, I don't think it would. 
because she'd be like, oh, that's really sad and depressing. Yeah, but like, I don't want to watch that. It is sad and depressing, but I, I think the uh, emotional payoff at the end is is oh, a definitely. lot like yeah. better for it. Mm-hmm. And they for- and they do move on from it pretty quickly. Like they they visit it, they come back to it at various points. Yeah, and it the is kind of like it, it it ties everything together because it's it's the inspiration for him to write a, a Christmas story. And mm-hmm. it also, you know, like when she finds the gifts in the basement and, you know, it's like at the, uh, you know, even when things looked bad in the original Christmas story, you know, all yeah. the presents were under the tree and, and yeah. same. It, like, that, was it, a, that was a choice payoff. Yeah, I do like that. It, yeah, that was very good. It it was it was one of the stronger points of the movie. Um, But, you know, overall, it is it, it is it's. I think this movie is for uh, kind of people like us, you know, people who, mm-hmm. and, and a little bit older, who grew up with A Christmas Story as kids and are now adults, possibly with kids of their own. And this is kind of, you know, the, the Christmas story for part two for that generation. And yeah, it's, it's, it's serviceable enough in that role. Mm-hmm. And and to those worries about like member berries, like yes, of course they're there, but it's not the same as something like Force Awakens or, or you know Indiana Jones sequels. Um, it's like he's actually nostalgic about his childhood, and that's yeah, like just, it's it's a very, it's a much more direct co- sort of expression of fondness for the things that came before, rather than implicit and only for the audience's sake. And it is really. I- it really does a good job of being its own movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about, uh, that, that just made me think about the fact that who is this for? And it definitely isn't for kids, even though it doesn't like cross over that, like PG 13 boundary, which is good. I'm, I'm really glad they didn't. Cause they kind of like, well, there's a lot of swears in this. There's a lot more swearing. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. There were, there were a couple more. Yeah. It what, does have a PG it? rating PG-13? though. It is. Oh, it is PG okay, rated. So, they must have hit just the limit. I mean, that's um, a lot more lax now than it used to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, the thing was I was getting at was the fact that you know you're not going to show this to your kids because this <laughs> completely spoils Christmas. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah, it's it's all about your parents getting you the gifts that you think are from Santa, and uh, and a lot of this, well, big portion of this movie at the mall was him trying to get the gifts from Santa. While they're and I really thought going that was going to be the like I thought the payoff to you know when they're having the snowball fight and he hits her in the eye, I thought the payoff to that was he left the trunk open. Uh, the kid's gonna like run to take cover behind the car and see all the presents in the trunk, and they're gonna have to try to explain their yeah, way out of that. Yeah. Um, they went a different direction with it, where the presents get stolen when they're at yeah, the ER. Was... Fucking I mean seventies Indiana, what a dangerous place. I think that was that was maybe the only thing I didn't like about this movie was how I I didn't uh, I mean kind of have to to drive it along but they kept on kicking them while they were down. It's like just thing after thing after thing happens, but I kind of understand it and have an appreciation for that because uh, there's a lot of times on like stressful holidays yeah. and events with family that it can feel like that that. 
everything that could go wrong is going wrong. And that's what happened to Ralphie. Like everything that could go wrong was mm-hmm. going wrong on Christmas. Um, you know, you and, put and a at smile the top on your face list. and you rock and roll. But honestly, yeah, and at the top of it is his dad. Yeah. Like, I was about to say, whole, like, and like, you know, apart from the presents getting stolen and his dad being dead, a lot of the tragedy that befell them was was fairly minor. It's not like, you know, mm-hmm. the banks were closing on the house sort of deal. Um, right. But, you know, like his his career wasn't quite going the way where he wanted it to. Um, it was, it's kind of an interesting, not necessarily apropos of the point I was, I was attempting to make there, but I, I found it kind of interesting that while this is a pretty predictable movie in terms of like larger story beats um it does find some ways to to get some unexpected laughs um mm-hmm. for for example this is before they're going to go ice skating um i was expecting you know the the gag there they're going to be the ice skating rink and like the mom's really not great at ice skating but we don't even get to there because she just fucking slips no. and twists her ankle before. I was like, I did not expect that. Got a pretty good I, laugh out of me. I, I, I loved, I mean, I can't relate to this because I, my, my parents are, are very nice to my wife and, and vice versa. Um, but the way the mom was just like very blatantly like, passive aggressive throwing shade to the wife was like like, god damn although you know on the other hand they they did a lot of uh ladies drinking yeah they were they were pretty buddy buddy throughout the movie if anything i found it a little distracting how uh ralphie's wife is like 12 years younger than he is (laughs) and way too pretty for him That's, and just it's just the kind of life old. you could have in the seventies. Get a hot I mean, young yeah, wife, it's... take a year off to write a novel and not have to worry about the fucking budget. Right? I, I didn't know what year this was in, and I'm like, what the, how were they able to like have not work kids for a year? It's like, how do you save up a nest egg like that? Yeah. Man, man, the, the Korean War was good to the vets, I guess. <laughs> so um another discovery I made uh while watching this movie is that um, this is not, I wouldn't call this a sequel. I would call this like a soft prequel because there is a sequel to A Christmas Story. There is a Christmas Story 2. Oh, really yeah. Know that. Um, well, probably because it came out in 2012 and sucked, apparently. Oh, God, I feel like I remember that, like that it was a thing that existed. Yeah, this had to have been direct-to-video, um, A Christmas Story 2 here. Let's Let's... Oh, God. <laughs> Go down this roll a little bit. Um, yeah, straight to video. None of the original cast. <laughs> Makes sense. Just trying to hold on to that license. I guess. Official. Of, it even has the official sequel stamped on it. Yep. What the fuck? Um, Man. Yeah, I don't know who involved in the original movie was involved in that one but I'm, I'm much Did more glad like... to have been watching this than that yeah this this movie it's fine like like i said like if you if you liked a christmas story as a kid you watched it as a kid you have fond memories of it and you are now an adult perhaps with kids of your own um give this a watch i'd say but in general if you want to sit down with those kids 
and and share in your memories of Christmas story, just watch a Christmas story with them. Like yeah. it, the Christmas story still holds up. It's timeless. There's a reason they the air it, it for 24 hours a day <laughs> during the month of December on TBS. Well, now it's going to have to be, you know, half the time because they're going to have to play this before. Strike a deal with HBO. They they gotta well, they gotta do it. Warner I want, I want one Media, Warner Brothers Discovery owns HBO, TNT, TBS, all them. I want them to cycle through it. I want them to cycle through it and just have an ever a never ending job. You know what would have been great is if they somehow kind of like worked the beginning of this movie to play off of like the, the end ending of, bit of the uh, a Christmas story and just sort of make, like, make it Ouroboros. <laughs> That yeah. just sweeps through. <laughs> Never ending movie. Um, I think the the credits just kind of rolled. He he uh, he didn't quite shoot his eye out, and uh, mm-hmm. he learned learned the true meaning of Christmas. And that's uh that's it. Like, I guess go watch it. Like, it's not gonna. Uh, Unless you're super cynical, it's not going to, like, let you down. Like, it's an hour and 38 minutes, and there's enough there. Especially, like, if you have an HBO Max description, you're not paying any extra for it. There's enough there that I liked that I can recommend it, especially for the amount Mm -hmm. of time that you have to invest into it, which is not a lot. And since you're not not reviewing it, you can kind of, like, fast forward through some of his you know, like daydreams, because they don't have any effect on the plot. They really, looking back on it now, looking at the the runtime, they kind of seem like they were just in there to pad the runtime up to feature length. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like there's enough there to to get something out of it for the hour and a half you spend watching it. Uh, Like I said, fans of A Christmas Story will enjoy this well enough. Mm-hmm. and yeah and again so I, I would recommend just put it on maybe once during the holidays if, if you feel like watching again maybe put it on another time but yeah you can have it on uh, the background see how you feel try it on if you have if you have kids that like to watch things um and uh they they do still believe in santa i maybe don't put it on during that yeah because this might that they might have some tricky questions unless you can explain it away or you know you cannot lie to your kids <laughs> it's, no, an it's, an it's an option it's an option it's an option um i do too but they're never my kids because i don't have any kids um yeah, i go find but yeah i i would say the the biggest problem with this movie is that a christmas story <laughs> kind of like serves the same function as a holiday movie for the family but does it better? <laughs> yeah, and that's that's really the long and short of it. So, um, yeah, just tacit just recommendation Christmas for Christmas Story Christmas. Uh, stronger recommendation for a Christmas Story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about the size of it for me. All right, and uh, with that, I think we'll wrap on episode three forty three. Uh, three four three. Mm-hmm. We're uh, hopefully better Bungie than uh, than that studio that certainly yeah. finishes games. 
Um, <laughs> we'll be back next week for the start of 90s month. 90s winter is That's returning right. next month. Uh, we're going to start with uh, Adam's Family, the 1991 movie. Okay, I guess Peter has determined that we are starting with Adam's Family. <laughs> Unless you guys have yours picked out. Um, I, I don't have I know yet. I like to throw them. I want to throw them in advance this year so they have a chance to watch it and you know we could all watch it together. Yeah, we could do they can know stuff as like we that. review. Um yeah, and uh well we'll have ours done. I I have I have several to choose. You know what? I'm I'm just going to lock it in. We're doing the rock for mine. All right. Yeah, ni- 1996 Jake's. Nicolas Cage, Sean Connery. Mhm. Classic. And Jake's I, you know, he has some time. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to him. So it might be it might be another bad sci-fi. Be Mansquito this time. <laughs> another Ron Perlman classic. Um. So yeah, Adam's family next week. Uh, there's uh, there actually happens to be five show days in December, so um, there'll be uh, at least a bonus episode. Um. Or maybe. or maybe I was ca- I was counting today. As one of them when I made that text. Well, so December has five. Yeah, there's five. There's five Saturdays in in December, with the okay. last being New Year's. Um, oh, although yeah. we might not okay. do a show Christmas Eve unless we do one like way in advance. So right. we do typically have at least one week off of the show for Christmas. We do between fifty and fifty two shows a year. Sometimes we are off on Easter as well. Um, mm-hmm. Not because any of us are particularly religious. You will recall just, from the beginning of the show, but there are family obligations that kind of get in the way and make it logistically difficult. But you will get at least your three 90s picks from each of us, possibly a joint pick episode. And at yeah. the end of the month, which actually falls on the last day of the year, um, you'll have our annual uh, year-end award show. So, um, fun, always a great time. End of the year is always a fun time to, to be a part of the show. If you aren't already get subscribed so you don't miss any of the fun stuff we have coming out towards you. Uh, silence place to go. If you want any more information on us and the, uh, projects we do. And uh, until next time, be well, stay safe. Party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye-bye.